All right, if you have your Bibles, you may open them to for a text to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 23. Here Paul says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here we have a glimpse of the threefold man, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about is spirit, soul, and body. Primarily, we're going to talk about the spirit of man, which is the real man, the inward man. We'll talk some about the soul, very little about the body right at this time. But uh, I notice in, in, in folks quoting this verse, that is usual thing, they'll get it in reverse. They'll say body, soul, and spirit. Now, to me, that's a dead giveaway that they're more body conscious than they are spirit conscious. Many periodicals, I notice in, in, in magazines and periodicals, religious periodicals, in quoting this verse of Scripture, very seldom will you ever have them to get it right. They'll always put body first. But God doesn't put body first. Paul doesn't put body first. He said, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Son of Man. Man, we know, was created in the image and in the likeness of God. Because he's created in the image and the likeness of God, then man is in the same class with God. I think it would be very, very interesting for us to turn back to the first chapter of Genesis. I'd like for you to just turn and read it with me. We'll read verse 26 and verse 27. I think this is very interesting. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and verse 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now we know that God is a spirit. You know, Jesus said... In John's Gospel, the fourth chapter, and the 24th verse, they that worship him, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. And so man was created in the likeness and the image of God. If God is a spirit, then man, if he's created in his image and after his likeness, 
then he must of a necessity be a spirit. We know he has a soul, we know he lives in a body, but he is essentially a spirit being. You remember Peter makes an observation in 1 Peter, the third chapter and the fourth verse, and he's talking really about the spirit of man. He said, but let it be the hidden man of the spirit or of the heart. Here, Peter is writing to get the full connection of what he's saying. I just want to make this one observation, but I think it'd be interesting. We need to get the full observation here. Peter is writing to Christian wives. And he said, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of the flesh. See here, he's talking about the body, the outward man. Let it not be the outward adorning of the flesh, such as platinum of the hair, wearing of gold, and putting on of apparel. But, he said, let it be the hidden man of the heart. Now, it's really strange how that folks can read these scriptures and and uh, one fellow gets something out of it, another person gets something else out of it, When, and read it, they're thinking a lot of times, foolish, I've, I've seen ministers quote part of this scripture, and, and uh, just quote two-thirds of this one verse, you know, and said women oughtn't to fix their hair, and they oughtn't to wear any gold. But if that would be the case, then women shouldn't wear any clothes either. <laughs> I mean, if that's what Peter said, I'm not trying to be funny, that's just true. If, if that's what Peter said here, well, then, if he told him not to, not to plait the hair and not to fix the hair and not to wear any gold, then he also told him not to wear any clothes because he said, Who's adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning, such as plaiting the hair, wearing of gold, and putting on of attire. That's clothes, isn't it? Amen. Isn't it? Now, you know he didn't tell him not to put on any attire, any clothes. Well, if he didn't, then he didn't tell him not to wear any gold. And if he didn't, he didn't tell him not to fix the hair. Did he? Well, what did he tell him? What he's saying is this. Don't spend all your time, and I guess reading really said to women, women are a little more prone to do that than men are. No, he's just simply saying don't spend all your time on your hair, on your clothes, and on the outward man. But you see to it, first of all, that the hidden man of the heart, that's this spirit of man, that's this real man, that's this inward man. See to it that this inward man is adorned with a quiet and a meek spirit. Wait for somebody to say amen, but nobody said thing. <laughs> amen. No, that's what it said, isn't it? Well, I, 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 uh, I wanted to get the thought over to you that uh, Peter here, when he talks about the hidden man of the heart, is just simply making observation of the fact that the spirit of man is a man. A man. Paul said about the same thing using different language. Now, for instance, in, in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Paul said, For though the outward man perish, or the margin says is decaying. I think we all know what the outward man is, the body. Yet he said the inward man is renewed day by day. There is an outward man. There is an inward man. The outward man is the body. The inward man is a spirit man made in the likeness 
in the image and after the likeness of God. Now the psychologist, or psychology I should say, I guess, has called this inward man of the heart a subconscious mind. They have recognized that conscience was the voice from an inward personality. The natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. So he can't understand the Bible. You know, 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, the 14th verse said that. Said that the natural man understandeth not, or receiveth not, the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Now why? Because they're spiritually discerned, or spiritually understood. And so the natural man cannot know himself. There is no psychiatrist or psychologist that really knows himself if he hasn't been born again. If he's not a child of God, he doesn't know himself. Because they think primarily that man is just body and mind. But man is spirit, soul, and body. He not only cannot know himself, but he cannot know God. Consequently, the student of psychology, unless he has received eternal life, cannot understand himself, much less understand somebody else. Can't do it. Now this subconscious mind, if you want to call it that, is the real man. That's what Peter's calling the inward or the hidden man of the heart and what Paul is calling the inward man. This real man is the real man. And he is a spirit man. And in being a spirit man, he's like God. God's a spirit. That's the reason he can never die. Man can die physically and cease to exist. But when the Bible speaks of spiritual death, it doesn't mean that a person ceases to exist. Man can never cease to exist spiritually. He goes on living when he's dead physically. The outward man may die, but the inward man can't. Because he's spirit, or a spirit, and a spirit can't die. Now, now we see that all through the Bible. In the Old Testament, when the, the people of God came to die, the Word of God would say that they were gathered unto their fathers. They were gathered unto their fathers. And then we have a picture. We know, of course, the teaching of the Old Testament, that uh, they would go down into Hades, Hades means the place of departed spirits. We translated hell. But there's more than one word translated hell here. But the place of departed spirits. You see, spirits don't die. They just depart. The place of departed spirits. Jesus himself told us a story. And of course, it is an Old Testament story. You see, of course, Jesus was ministering as a prophet 
under the old covenant. And in the 16th chapter and the 19th verse of the gospel according to St. Luke, well, Jesus said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from his table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and the beggar died. The beggar died. Talking about physical death. He died physically. But it says, and the angels carried him away. Now, many have tried to make this a parable and said, well, now, uh, Lazarus means this and the rich man means the Jews and so on. So a lot of silly stuff that any intelligent person would laugh at. I say that again. I mean a lot of silly stuff that any intelligent person would laugh at. And a few folks who are a little unintelligent are carried off with it. Jesus Christ said there was a certain rich man. I believe he told the truth about it. You know what the word certain means? means for sure. There's a way and no other way. Amen. Well, this rich man, one of the Lazarus, died. And the angels carried him away. Now, not his body, but him. What I'm trying to impress upon you is this, that this hidden man of the heart, this inward man, this man that is... The spirit man is the real you. He lives forever. The angels carried him away. Where did they carry him? Now, angels couldn't have carried his body because angels are spirits themselves. Men, physical men, could carry the body. But physical men couldn't carry the spirit of this man away. But the angels could. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because they're spirits. They carried him away. Now then, if this was the only story that we had, uh, our section of scripture that we had to build upon, this teaching upon, we, we might be prone to not accept it. Might be prone to follow some that said, well, that's just a parable and it really doesn't mean this at all. But you see, we have other scriptures that substantiates the teaching. You remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John were there with him, and there appeared Moses and Elijah there and talked to him. Moses died. Well, somebody said, yeah, but now some people think that God raised Moses from the dead, that is physically, but he didn't. I said he didn't. If you read close to the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it'll let you know why he didn't. Because 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is talking about physical resurrection, isn't it? And if you read that closer, you'll find that Jesus was the first one that was ever physically resurrected. Amen. You see, if God had raised him from the dead, he'd died again anyhow. A lot of people were raised from the dead, but they went ahead and died. So Moses wasn't resurrected from the dead, yet he'd been dead for a number of years, hadn't he? Hadn't he? And yet he appeared there and talked to Jesus. Elijah appeared to him. Now Elijah went up, you know, in the chariot, whirlwind, 
chariot of fire and a whirlwind and so on. But Moses died. The Bible said he died. The Bible said God buried him. If God is going to resurrect him, what in the world do you want to go to trouble to bury him for? Didn't he know what he's going to do? <laughs> That'd be silly, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, I mean, just a little, it'd be like a little common knowledge would, uh, would, uh, <laughs> would explain that to you. That I wouldn't go to the trouble to bury a fellow if I was going to resurrect him, would you? I mean, that'd be foolish. Well, again, in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that God permitted the prophet Samuel to come up out of Hades, the place of departed spirits. That's where this rich man and that's where Lazarus went down in, into Hades, the place of departed spirits. And uh, we know, of course, that Saul had gone to the witch of Ender to try to contact Samuel's spirit. Because these witches are like the spiritists or the spiritualists today that claim to contact the dead. Contact the spirits of those who have died. But if you read the story closely, I do not have time other than to make the reference to it today, you'll find this, that the witch of Ender did not bring Samuel up. For when Samuel came up, she was astonished and fell over backwards. Now, if you've been used to talking to spirits, you wouldn't be astonished because one of them come up, would you, and fall over backwards. That's exactly what it said. She was astonished and fell over backwards. She'd been used to doing that. But what had happened was that she was in contact with evil spirits. In contact with evil spirits that would know things about the departed, of course, and tell them things. But here God just overruled the situation. I mean, that's the only logical explanation that you can find. God overruled the situation and let Samuel come up. Well, it was his spirit, the real man. You see, his body had been buried, was in the tomb. But God let his spirit come up out of, of Hades, the place of departed spirits. And he said, uh, he gave a little word to Samuel that God wasn't going to hear him because he's backslid and out of fellowship with God. And he also gave him the word that by this time tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. And I don't, I don't know whether that means that he'd be with them in the part of Hades called Abraham's bosom or whether he just meant you'd be with me in the place of departed spirits. Which side there is in, I don't know. I'm not the judge. But this time, the next day, they were there, weren't they? So he, if, if, if the prophet, if one man, after he died physically, was still alive in spirit, then all men are. Isn't that right? So then you see, my brother, sister, the Old Testament substantiates the fact of the story that Jesus is giving that when the, the beggar died physically, the angels carried him away. Did you notice about Samuel back there that it said he came up? He came up. It wasn't his body, but it was him. Then not only that, my brother, sister, but experience of Christians as well as sinners in death and in dying corroborate the fact that the inward man is an eternal being 
Because he's a spirit being, he's eternal like God. He never dies. We've heard many stories. I, I've heard many, but, but let's, let's talk about a few that we know about. See, first-hand knowledge. Not just a few, but first-hand knowledge. Now then, I remember when my father-in-law lay dying. And I said, Lord, just very quietly, I, just as we say, prayed under my breath. You might, if you'd stood right beside me, heard me whispering. But I didn't get any louder than that. I just believe I'll rebuke this death. Command it to leave him. Death of the enemy, anyhow. And it is an enemy. I believe I'll just, just rebuke this. Command him to live. Command him to, this condition to leave him. He, he lay there on the bed unconscious. And the Lord said to me in my spirit, in this inward voice, down here on the inside of me, right down in here, he said, no, don't. Leave him alone. Let him die. He's past 70. He'll never have a better chance to die or a better time to die than now. He's got everything fixed up spiritually. He's got all of his finances in order. He's got uh, all, all his bed in order. Everything. He's got everything fixed up. He'll never have a better time to die than now, so leave him alone. Let him die. I said, all right. I'll do that on one condition, one condition alone. You bring him out of this death and let him leave a good testimony, and I'll let him go. I hadn't gotten those words out of my mouth until he opened his eyes. And he was just as clear as he could be, thought just as clear, and he looked at me and said to me, My God, Kenneth, he said, I, I, I'm dying. I said, I know it. I know it, Mr. Rooker. He said, uh, now, the sooner the better. I said, I know that. He said, you know, there's been a man right up there. And he pointed up to the ceiling of that hospital room. You see, when a man's saved dies, he goes up. Amen. <laughs> when a man's unsaved dies, he goes down. And he said, he's been right up there. Well, I looked up and didn't see a thing. I knew he was standing on the brink, you see. Between two worlds, and he was seeing into both worlds, me here and that world over there. He said he's been standing up there for the last two days. And that's what the doctor said. He'd been dying. This is Monday afternoon. He'd been dying ever since Saturday afternoon, see. And said every now and then, he did that way. He said, he'll motion me on. He said, I don't rightly know who you are, sir, but you're going to have to wait just a minute. I'm not quite ready yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you know, we had a glorious reunion before he went home. You'd have thought he's going on a vacation. You would have thought he was going on a vacation. We got our grandchildren who are grown and married now, but the only grandchildren he had, only about 11 and 9 years of age, and without a tear, without a tear, he bid them goodbye. And he sat up in bed and laughed and talked. In fact, the doctor, one of the doctors on the case told me, he said, I never believed it. I, if another doctor told me, I wouldn't even believe it that a man in the shape and the condition he was in could come out of it and be clear that way, be just as, as clear. He, he gave me something, now you doctors could tell me, I guess, but I, 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 I guess I'd know the name if I heard it, but anyway, this doctor gave me a name, and he said, he wasn't exactly dead, but he wasn't exactly alive. And I've never seen a person come out of it. And what I mean is, I've seen him, you know, partly revive or something and live a little longer, but he said, I mean, just be as clear as a bell. And, and his intelligence, just as, his mind, just as clear as it could be. He said, I've never seen that. He said, I wouldn't have believed it if the other doctor on the case had told me. I wouldn't even believe him. I'd have thought maybe some way or another he, he must have been mistaken about it. But he said, I saw it myself. 
And so we just had a big time. You'd have thought he was fixing to go on a vacation the next day. Laughed and talked, praised God. In fact, the superintendent of the hospital said, well, just take anybody in there you want to. He already done been dead anyhow. We can't understand it. Said, just take all the family in there. Have 30 or 40 in there if you want to. He's a great big room. He's in it by himself. Said, just do whatever you want to do. It's a miracle that he's here. Just, just enjoy yourself. And we just enjoyed ourselves. <laughs> Glory. The next day he went home. He went home. Now, 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 nobody can erase that from our minds. We were there. I said, we were there. We were there. Then again, I know from my own individual experience. On the second, uh, many of you have heard it. You can get the track out there on the table. You can read it. On the, actually, it was the 22nd. I always said 21st, and I thought this, this Saturday was, but it's the 22nd. I looked at a calendar of 1933. It's the 22nd day of April of 1933, Saturday night at 7.30 o'clock in the South Bedroom, 405 North College Street. Just as Grandpa's old clock on the mantelpiece struck 7.30, my heart stopped. And I felt the blood, as it, 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 the circulation, as it cut off way down at the end of my toes. My toes just seemed to go numb. And that numbness came up, my, my feet, my ankles, my knees, my hips, my stomach. And, and when it hit me right in here, I just leaped out of my body. I leaped right out of my body. Just like a diver would leap off of a diving board into a swimming pool. When I leaped out of my body, I was conscious. I knew everything I know now. I was no less man than I was when I was in my body. The only thing was I could not contact people in the physical. I could not contact people in the physical. And when I leaped out of my body, then I began to descend. I went down. 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 I've given testimony before. Many of you have heard it. And, and the further down I went, the dark it became. It was like as though I was going down in a cavern or a cave or down into a well. I could look back up and see the light above me, the light of the earth. And I had, the, I had it in my mind because I knew it was slipping to say to my grandmother, my brother, youngest brother, nine years of age, and my mother to tell them goodbye. And when I got that goodbye out, I was already descending down into that pit. And all three of them testified later. They said to me later, and I hadn't told them my experience. I told it after they said this. I say I told it after they said this. I didn't even tell them that experience until several years later. Not then. But they said to me, you sounded, when you said goodbye, you sounded like you was away down in a well or something. My voice, some way or another, picked that up, this physical voice, and they heard me say goodbye. And they were right. Well, I, that's where I was when I said goodbye. I couldn't get it out fast enough. And I was already descended. And I went down into that place. And I did not lose consciousness. And I did not cease to exist. And I was just as much a man as I am now. Now, that was, that's the real man, and that's the man Samuel that came up. And that's the man, this, this beggar man, that the angels, that, that was him that they carried away. Praise God. And that real man is the man that left when my daddy-in-law died physically. And, and that was an angel. That was a spirit being up there that was waiting on him. Praise God. Tell him, come on. Come on. My sister said the other day, just before she went home, she said, well, I know I've got to die. said, I wish they'd hurry and come for me. She was up to the place that she was seeing over into two worlds are seeing two worlds, back into this world and over into the next world. 
Hallelujah. Then I know in my own case, on about the 16th day of August of 1933, at 1.30 in the afternoon. Now let me tell you something that, uh, that I think will throw Bible light on some things. Thursday afternoon, at 1.30 in the afternoon, in the month of August, there in the city of McKinney, Texas, in 405 North College Street, the only difference the other happening was in the south bedroom, and this time they'd moved me to the north bedroom. I knew all the morning I was dying. You see, when you've been down there, you know it. I knew I was dying. And though we did not have, you know, way back there in 1933, you didn't have room air conditioners or central air in your house. All you had was a little fan blow a little air around. The windows was up, you know, to try to get a little circulation. But it was a hot day in August, and it can get hot down in Texas just like it can get hot here in Oklahoma sometime. And really, that day, to tell the truth about it, it finally got up to 106 degrees that day. Because it, uh, that was on back there, you know, when we had that dust bowl and that dryness, you know, for so long. And it'd get hot. And yet, though it was over 100 degrees at 130, and it got, as I said before, the afternoon's out 106 at 1.30, or really at noon when they first did it, yet I was so cold, my feet were so cold, I guess because of poor circulation, until they took hot water bottles and put around my feet and my body tried to warm me up. And there was a cold, clammy sweat upon my brow. My, my brow felt just as cold as it could be. And at 1.30, I said to my little brother who, they wouldn't dare leave the room into the family without having somebody there with me. And so my brother, nine years of age, was standing, not sitting, standing right there by my bed. And I said, run, get mama quick. I'm dying. I want to tell her goodbye. And he ran out of that room like a shot. I saw him when he ran out of the room, a hollering just at the top of his voice, mama, mama, mama. And then I saw, for I was looking at the door, Mama come in the door. At about the time she came in the door to that room, I slipped out of my body. But this time, instead of going down, I went up. Instead of descended, I ascended. Mama came on into the room, took my hand in her hand, and she said to me afterwards, said, you had my hand in a death-like grip. But I couldn't tell her goodbye. I'd already left my body. A few moments before, I was fighting death with every ounce of energy and everything I could to stay in the body, to stay here. That's natural. But the moment that death came, physical death came, and my spirit was released, there was a tranquility, there was a peace. There was an indescribable and an indefinable something. I, I cannot describe it. Until if the Lord had said, now I'm going to leave it up to you whether you come on home, come on to heaven, or you go back to the earth, I'd have said no a thousand times. No, I'll never go back. There was a brightness. There was a whiteness that's whiter than the sun, a glory. That's whiter than the sun shining on snow. And I just got a little peek over into the glory world 
and I wanted to go on. I didn't want to come back. I got up about the top where the top of the house should be and my ass and stopped and looked back down in the room and saw my body on the bed, my mouth open, my eyes set in death, my mother stooped over me with my hand in hers or her hand in mine, either way you want to say it. And I heard this voice speak from heaven. I didn't see anybody. I heard these words in the English language. It sounded like the voice of a man. I believe it to be Jesus. The voice said, he said, go back. Go back. Go back to the earth. You can't come yet. Your work on earth is not done. And when those words were spoken, I descended. And I came back down, and it seemed to me that I just slipped back inside my body like a man who slipped his foot inside of his shoe in the morning time. When I got back inside my body, then I could contact Mama. I could talk to her. I said, Mama, I'm not going to die now. She thought I meant I'm not going to die now this minute, you know. I mean, I'm not going to die now. I'm going to live and do whatever God called me to do. Well, no one can tell me that the inward man is not just as a real man as the outward man. Yea, even more real. For he is a spirit man. And he lives forever. He is an eternal one. Now then, I remember the other night when my sister died. At 6.23 in the evening, we were around the bed when she drew her last breath. We had finally gotten to my wife's mother's house there in Garland. And my wife and I got to bed about 11, 11.30 at night, 12, somewhere around that vicinity. We lay down. And I was lying there with my eyes closed, not asleep. In fact, didn't go to sleep for two hours or more. But lying there just quietly, didn't want to disturb her. She fell off to sleep. Usually I'm the one that does it, go to sleep. But she went off to sleep because she'd been up for uh, almost, uh, well, at this time, by this time, about 24 hours without any rest. And so I was uh, lying there praying in other tongues. And I thought about her going. Of course, we feel the loss deeply of any of our loved ones when they go. Then I thought about this own experience of mine way back there in 1933 and knew that that was exactly what happened to her. And as I thought about that, suddenly it was just as though I was off somewhere else. I, I, I suppose it was a vision. But I could see us standing around that bed in that hospital room. To me, it's just as real as I see you sitting there. I could see the family and her children, all of us around that bed. I could see her draw her last breath, and then I saw her leave her body and go up to about the top of the room there and look down at us, and, and there was a smile flitted across her face, and, and she felt so sorry for us. And really, that's what we was doing there, was feeling sorry for us, too. We wasn't feeling sorry for her, we was feeling sorry for us. 
we're left. What am I going to do? Different one said. See, we felt our loss. We're so human, aren't we? And then, there was a little time there that I didn't see, but then I saw her up in heaven. It seemed as though I went and stood there with her. And I, uh, I saw her with Jesus. And then she turned and said to me, Now, I had felt so badly. I told you in our past two seminars, summer seminars, June and August. I told you, you know, what the Lord told me way back last spring, or really, really turn of the year, see, that my sister was going to die. You remember me telling you that. But really, I took, I, I, one reason that I, among other reasons, but one reason I had two seminars this summer, I want to take June off and, and spend some time fasting and praying. And that was one thing I did my best to change. I never prayed so desperately in my life. Only 55 years old, not old enough really to die yet. And I, I did my best, and I, and I felt so badly in a way in that I was not able to change it. Why could I not pray the prayer of faith here? I never said a word to her about it at any time. But when she looked at me, she said, don't feel too badly about it that you couldn't pray the prayer of faith for me. She said there was a reason why. That's the same thing the Lord kept telling, but he wouldn't tell me what the reason was. There was a reason why you couldn't. But she said, I want you to get this. She said her daughter, Joy, Oh, I guess about 32 years of age. She said, but you can pray for joy and it'll work for her. Now this daughter, in the last year, oh no, not year, last six months, I guess has had, and I don't know of anybody having that many, but she's had at least 20 or 24 shock treatments plus all the other medicine and shots that she's taken. Until you see her, she walks around like a, like a robot. She'll hold her hand that way and you'll have to tell her. Joy, relax. And she may relax and then before you know it, she's up again. Just walking around, just, just walks that way. Just like a machine. I'd prayed about it before, but seemingly got no results. But she said to me, said, uh, uh, you, you can pray for her. And then I saw... Myself and the First Assembly of God Church in Garland, Texas on the Sunday night. Last, well, a week ago, tonight, a week ago. And I saw myself minister to this daughter of my niece. Well, now, I didn't tell anybody that uh, it's going to come past this way. I just said, now, when the opportune time comes, I'll minister to her. And last Sunday night, we did. And instantly, like you'd snapped your finger, her eyes cleared up instantly. She looked as normal instantly as you do. Praise God. Actually, that cast three devils out of her. You say, she born again, spirit filled, had three devils in her. I don't mean there's inner spirit. Her spirit was bound because your spirit will become bound by your body a lot of times. Are you listening to me? And I knew that she was supposed to go on Monday morning for another shock treatment, which would have been, I think, about the 24th one. And I said, when you go in the morning now, Joy, you tell the doctor, I don't need it. I'm better. And I, and, and I won't need it. So we saw her, of course, the next day in the afternoon, and, and she looked normal. 
Then I said to her also, cut down on your medicine. Cut it in half to begin with. And began to walk in faith. And so she said, well, I went in. I said, what did he say? Well, I said to him, I, I don't uh, go in. You see, get ready for the shock. I said, no, no, don't need it. I'm better. Well, go in, take it anyhow. No, she said, I'm not going to take it. He said, well, all right then. And so she said, I intended to take my medicine just in the morning time, night time, but I forgot to take it this morning. I've gone all day without it, and I feel just fine. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then on Tuesday, before we left to come back here, we called over and checked on them, and they, the two girls and one of the boys and daddy had gone to see about some business, but we talked to her daughter-in-law, she said, oh, George, just fine this morning. Said she Actually, she called Jerry, her brother, this morning, said this first time in, in over two years she's ever done this. First time, I guess, no, over two years, three years. be three years last June. Three years and almost a half then. Said she called him, said, get up, Jerry boy, let's go. First time she'd ever called him Jerry boy in over three years. You see, her mind's functioning normally like it was. Well, thank God it works. Now then, uh, the thing about it, now don't go off and somebody, I want to show you something. There's an entirely different thing of God giving you a vision, letting you see a loved one in heaven, and then contacting somebody's spirit and spiritualism. Amen. Contacting, really, you're not contacting anybody's spirit, but evil spirits and demons. Did you hear me? You see, this cloud of glory overshadowed the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter, James, and John saw Moses, and they saw Elijah. They're talking to Jesus about his death. Didn't he? God does permit some things. But you see, it's an entirely different matter. Now, now she wanted to say something else to me that I think would be of great importance to you. Maybe a great blessing to you. Now, she said, Ben, this has happened. I wouldn't have it any other way anyhow, and I wouldn't come back if I could. She said, I've already seen Anne, that was her daughter that three years ago was killed in an automobile accident. And she said the first thing Ann said was how's Bill and the kids because she left two little kids just about five and three years old which would now would be about eight and six years old. And she said, I said, well, they're doing, they're doing fine. And she said, I didn't tell her that Bill had remarried. Because he had a little unfortunate circumstance here and read it in the last few days, so he just got, a, got out of it. She said, you see, and she said something to me that can be proven by the scripture, all right, but I think it'd be a blessing to us. She said, you see, people up here don't know what happens on the earth naturally. But they do know what happens spiritually. You see, the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews said that we are encompassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Now, you see in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, Paul gives this outline of, of the heroes of faith, you see, and many of me names, and then, of course, a great number of them is unnamed. The thought he's trying to get over here is this. Like the spectators at the race, they've already finished their race. In fact, a Greek scholar told me, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but he is an authority on the language. That really, that's the meaning of these Greek words here. That these 
are not just spectators in this life, but they're those that have already finished their race, and they're over there looking at us in our race. And they're, they're pulling for us. Praise God to make that race. Now then, she said, you see, they don't know what happens naturally over there and what people do from the natural standpoint, but they do know what happens spiritually. They do know what progress you are making in your spiritual race. Well, now that would have to be so. Now to show you that they do, now wait just a minute. Let me give you a little more scripture that I think will help us. Don't you remember Jesus said, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth than 99 just persons? If heaven knows, and they're in heaven, <laughs> glory to God, when a sinner repents, then they're bound to know what we're doing spiritually. Yes. Is that right? Heaven knows. Heaven knows. Thank God they do, don't they? Can you say amen? amen. Oh, my brother, sister, what I'm trying to get over to you is this. That the spirit world is just as real as this material, physical world which we live. And that the inward man is a spirit man. And he's just as real, in fact, more real than this outward man. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah. And then she said, now it has to be. I mean, to me, this is most outstanding. I never had an experience like this. I've had a lot of experiences, but I never had an experience like this. At the same time, let me prove, let me say something else too. At the same time, this was happening to me. My oldest brother, who's, you'd just sort of barely call him a baby Christian, I guess. Bless his heart. Because he's never got his stamps in the word, but he stumbles around, you know. And you'd call him a carnal Christian. But he and his wife across town was lying in bed in their home talking. And, and, and she said to him, said, uh, Who's the, do you hear voices? And he said, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, she said, well, surely. And they looked at the, at, they hadn't turned the light out. They, they, she looked at the clock and it was 15 minutes to 1 o'clock in the morning and said, Surely, uh, nobody's playing the radio that loud at one o'clock in the morning or the television that we could hear it here with the house shut up, you know, and all. So she got up. Well, he said, my brother said, well, maybe, maybe somebody out in front, you know, on the sidewalk out in front of the house, somebody talking loud. So she got up, went to the front, opened the door, looked out, couldn't see a soul, didn't hear anything, come back and got in bed and said, well, I guess me and you's hearing things. And so they started their conversation again, talking. And then suddenly she said to him, do you hear voices? And he said, yeah, I hear them. And so she raised her head up off the pillar and leaned around and then sort of leaned over towards him. When she leaned over towards him, well, she said, when I get closer to you, they get louder. <laughs> said, it sounded like these voices are coming out of you. Yet, yet he was talking to her about something else. Mentally. And he said, when she said that, he said, I don't know. I never had anything like that. He said, maybe you can help me, but said, I don't know. He said, when she said that, said, I was gone somewhere. said, I don't know where I went. But said, I was just gone, just as though I might have, I know I didn't go to sleep, but said, I was off somewhere. 
Well, I knew he fell into a trance. Now, so he said, I, I saw Jesus and I saw Olita. That was our sister, only sister. I saw them and I heard them talking. That's what we heard was them talking. But he said they weren't talking in English. It was a foreign tongue to me. I didn't understand what they said. Don't understand what he said to her, what she said to him. But, but I saw them there and they continued their conversation for a while. Then said she turned and spoke to me. And she told him, see, she didn't tell me the reason. She just said there was a reason why, but she told him the reason why I couldn't pray her out. Then she told him something that it had to be divine revelation for him. No, I never talked to him about it. But she said to him, she said, now, now you are alive today and on earth today because of Kenneth. He's prayed you out of death three times. You would have been dead and in hell if it hadn't been for him. Now, that's absolutely the truth. The Lord came to me ahead of time and told me, and I prayed him out. Thank God. Thank God. He said, now, you are doing better some, but you've got a long ways to go yourself. And then she told him something about one of her boys and how him try to help him. Well, now, you can't deny that. I mean, I mean, how, how can you deny it? I mean, it's, it's there. It's facts. I'm trying to get over to you. If we just knew how. This spiritual world is real. Praise Amen. God forevermore. Amen. Hallelujah. Heaven's real. Thank you. Thank the Lord. But now then she said to me, and, I, and this is not so important to you, but I just wanted to establish one fact with you and go along. She said now, her youngest boy, she said, you tell him. And really, I never knew this. I never talked to him personally. God had me to deal with him in the spirit one time, but yet he never said a word in the world about him being being called to preach or something, but she said, you tell Jerry to consecrate and dedicate his life to God. Then she said to me, he's afraid to consecrate to God because he's afraid if he does, he'll have to preach or be a missionary or in the ministry. And said, you tell him that he'll never be happy. The longest day he lives, he'll never be happy and things will never go right with him until he does it. I told him. And the minute it did, it, it, it broke it down. He said, that's exactly right. That's exactly the truth. That's exactly why I wouldn't walk close to God. That's, I don't claim to be backslidden away, all the way away from God. But I'm not going to church. I'm not where I ought to be for the simple reason that I know just as much. I've known it since I was 12 years old. I know just as much. And he's 20. Be 21 in a few days. I know just as much as I know what my name is that God called me to preach. Well, if that's not divine revelation, what is it? Praise God. It has to be, doesn't it? It has to be. It has to be. So, uh, I really didn't mean to get over that far into that area because there's some things there that I'm sure you wouldn't be as interested in as I would, but what I'm trying to establish a fact with you is this, of the reality of the inward man and the fact that the inward man is an eternal man and the fact that the spirit world is, is just as real a world Praise God as this world and the fact that heaven is just as real a place, just as real as the city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Amen. And that departed saints of God go to heaven and live there with Jesus just as much as you live here in Tulsa or whatever town you live in. And they're conscious of the fact that they're there. Praise the Lord. Just as much as you're conscious of the fact that you're here. And they there do not know everything that's going on down here on the earth.
from the natural standpoint. After all, what difference would it make up in heaven whether you was wearing a brown suit or a black suit today, whether you brought a new car, whether it's a Ford or a Cadillac or a Chevrolet, that wouldn't make a bit of difference in heaven, would it? What difference would it make up in heaven to know whether you had a T-bone steak to eat today or just eat beans and gravy or, or cornbread and wild onions? I mean, it wouldn't make a bit of difference in the world in heaven, would it? Isn't that right? But I tell you, it does make all the difference in the world in heaven of what people are doing spiritually. Amen. They know what people are doing spiritually. And if you've got loved ones and friends that's gone off from this world, they know what you are doing spiritually. So get in the race, bless God, and run it with patience. Hallelujah. And lay aside every sin and the weight that so easily beset you, and they'll be there pulling for you. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I remember I was a, uh, my boy went to uh, Camdenville Bible Academy years ago when he was in high school. Oh, this year, I guess he's the second, third year, I guess. He's third year in high school. And, uh, and he was, uh, this was the first year that they participated in, in track. Now, they had a basketball team there. And so, actually, his team went all the way to state that year. And, and some of the boys that was running the Olympics just a few years ago, Finally developed better, but he beat them in some of the races. If he had gone on that direction, he could probably have done pretty good. But anyway, I, I remember we stopped by there, my wife and I had seen him one time, and so they were having a track meet close by. In fact, it's a district meet, and so we went see him run, you see. Well, he's sitting up there, and you know, I'm a pretty calm fellow, like, you know. But they come running down there by the by, by this stand where we were sitting, you know, and, and man, he is right on the heels of the leader and actually did just beat him. But And, and I didn't realize he was doing it. But I come to, who's that yelling? It's me. Bless God. <laughs> <laughs> I heard somebody yelling, you know, and it was me, you know, and I was I was on my feet, brother, egging him on. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hollering him on. And I'll tell you, bless God, brother, I believe, I believe that our loved ones and friends that have gone on from this world are looking down over the battlements of heaven and they see us in this race. Amen. And I believe, bless God, they're hauling us on. <laughs> well, glory. I don't know whether it helped you or not. I preach me happy. Hallelujah to Jesus. Can you say amen? And you know, my brother, sister, when you believe what the Bible said and the Bible says everything I've said, because I've proven it by the Bible. When you believe what the Bible said, it makes life sweeter. It makes heaven dearer. It makes heaven nearer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank God. Well, I didn't even get the first few notes I had down here. I'll get that tomorrow night. I really didn't intend to give you some of that, but it did anyway, so it's, it's done. We're going to talk about uh, this inward man and his functions. We'll talk some about the soul. We'll talk some about the body as far as that's concerned. But you see, these other things are not so, this other part, the body and the soul, is not nearly so important as the spirit. Amen. Isn't that right? That's right. Don't know about you, but I'm sure glad it came. God's word is real. Now, I hope don't anybody go off and bless their stupid heart if they do. <laughs> because that'd certainly be a stupid to say, Brother Hagin, I beat you in the name saying to Brother Hagin talking to the dead. Oh, no, 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 no. But you know, if God sees fit to give you a vision of heaven and loved ones, that's all right, isn't it? I mean, that's his bit. He wouldn't have to get your permission to do it. And if you could have a vision of Jesus, well, you could have a vision of them. And if, well, these things are real. Hallelujah. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed.
concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3. 